Christian worship hymnal contains some very old hymns. Our hymnal also contains some very long hymns. The hymn we are looking at this week is both old and long. It was written 500 years ago, and it has 14 verses. Our hymnal only contains 10 of the original verses. Why would we want to sing such an old and long hymn? I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at the verses to find out. Verse 1. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. Not only is this hymn old and long, but it contains a very big word, salvation. It is a very important word for us to understand. Salvation means rescue or deliverance. What do we need to be rescued from? From sin, death, and the devil. We need to be rescued because we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves by doing good works. But there is one we look to who can and does rescue us. That one is Jesus Christ. Verse 2. What God did in his law demand and none to him could render caused wrath and woe on every hand for man, the vile offender. Our flesh has not those pure desires the spirit of the law requires and lost is our condition. The Bible has two main teachings, law and gospel. This verse and the following two verses talk about the law. God's law tells us what to do and what not to do. It does not just give us suggestions, it gives demands. In fact, the law tells us to be perfect if we want to be saved. The problem is that we are born with a sinful nature. Because of this sinful nature, we do not want to do what God tells us to do. Verse 3. It was a false misleading dream that God his law had given that sinners could themselves redeem and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. Sometimes our sinful nature makes us believe things that are not true. We think things like this. I'm a pretty good person, so I think God will like me enough to bring me into heaven. Besides, I know people who do many worse things than I do. When we think those things, we need the law to act as a mirror. Just like a mirror reveals the peanut butter from your sandwich on your cheek, the law reveals that you have not loved God and your neighbor like he wants you to. Verse 4. From sin our flesh could not abstain, sin held its sway unceasing. The task was useless and in vain, our guilt was air increasing. None can remove sin's poison dart or purify our wicked heart. So deep is our corruption. The more we look at God's law, the more it shows us our sins. It shows us that we sin every day. And the more we realize our sins, the guiltier we feel. We may try to overcome our guilt by doing good things, but that does not work. There is nothing that we can do to overcome the guilt. We finally must admit, Admit that the law does not give us a solution to our sin and guilt problem. Verse 5. Yet as the law must be fulfilled or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. God has a solution for our sin and guilt problem. God chose someone special to take care of it. He chose Jesus Christ to do it. Jesus became a human being, just like you. 
Jesus was born just like you. Jesus had to learn how to walk and talk just like you. Jesus ate, drank, and slept just like you. Jesus interacted with other people just like you. There's one big difference between you and Jesus, however. Jesus never once did anything wrong. Jesus never sinned. That's simply amazing. This is great news because Jesus lived a perfect life for you. He lived a life that you and I cannot live. Verse 6. Since Christ has full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Your death is now my life indeed, for you have paid my ransom. Jesus' perfect life was necessary for you and for me. But that's only half of what Jesus needed to do in order to bring us salvation. Jesus also needed to die in our place. Through his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus made full atonement for our sins. He paid the full ransom price that was necessary to save us. This truth brings us joy. This is the truth that we build our faith and our lives on. Verse 7, Let me not doubt, but truly see your word cannot be broken. Your call rings out, Come unto me, no falsehood have you spoken. Baptized into your precious name, my faith cannot be put to shame, and I shall never perish. Can this really be? Did God really do everything necessary to save me? You can be certain of this, because it is not simply someone's opinion or fleeting hope. God's word says it, so it must be true. God invites every sinner to believe this truth. Even more than that, God comes to sinners through the very powerful means of baptism. It is there that God instills faith in your hearts, which knows for certain that God has one eternal life for you. Verse 8, the law reveals the guilt of sin and makes us conscience-stricken. But then the gospel enters in the sinful soul to quicken. Come to the cross, trust Christ and live. The law no peace can ever give, no comfort and no blessing. It is necessary to hear the law and gospel regularly. The law is still necessary for us to convict our hearts when we sin. But if we only heard the law, our hearts would not be at peace and we may be led to despair. That's why the gospel is so important. We need to hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me in order to bring me life according, assuring me that my sins are forgiven. Verse 9. Faith clings to Jesus Christ and his cross alone, and rests in him unceasing. And by its fruits true faith is known, with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify, works serve our neighbor, and supply the proof that faith is living. We cannot be saved by good works, but good works do have their place in our lives. They come as a result of our faith and our evidence that we have faith. When you plant an apple tree, you expect apples to grow from it. When God plants faith in Jesus' cross in our hearts, it is only natural that we produce fruits of our faith. This means that we will move away from being selfish. It means that we will do everything we can to love God and love our neighbor. Verse 10, All blessing, honor, thanks, and praise to Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who saved us by His grace, all glory to His merit. O triune God in heaven above, you have revealed your saving love, your blessed name be hallowed. The last verse is known as a doxology. 
A doxology is a song of praise. When you do something good, sometimes people praise you. You did a nice job cleaning your room. The food was really good, Mom. You did a great job on your homework. When we praise God, we are admiring what he has done. It is our triune God who saved us. The Father was moved by grace alone to come up with a plan to save us. The Son selflessly carried out the Father's plan to save us. The Spirit reveals this saving love to us in the Bible. We praise our triune God because he has brought us salvation. So why would we want to sing such an old and long hymn? It's because this hymn has so many important things to teach us. It teaches us about law and gospel, faith, and the place of good works in our lives. It reminds us that God does not leave us alone to save ourselves, but that he brings salvation to us because he loves us. While this hymn has been sung for 500 years already, it will probably be sung for many, many years in the future. That's because its message is timeless. When you sing it, remember that you are confessing the same truths that people have been singing about for 500 years.